Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors just like you about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm Laura Gregg, and I am joined with my co-host and friend that keeps me laughing, David Partain. (laughs) Today on the show, we are going to focus again on environmental, social, and governance investing, also known as ESG or sustainable investing, with yet another leader in the industry. Michael Young is Manager of Educational Programs at U.S. SIF the Forum for Sustainable and Responsible Investment. He is responsible for education initiatives, all U.S. SIF course offerings, and also private training services. Michael continually develops existing courses, creates educational materials for the U.S. SIF Foundation, and contributes to new materials and resources to advance the field of sustainable investing. He also presents frequently on sustainable investing at industry events and enjoys sharing the work of U.S. SIF and its membership on podcasts like The Flexible Advisor and radio programs. Michael's comments have appeared in the Wall Street Journal and Forbes, Investment News, and Bloomberg, among other publications you're familiar with. Prior to joining USCIF, Michael worked in mutual funds, separately managed accounts, closed-end funds, and exchange-traded funds, and his clients ranged from registered investment advisors and financial planning firms and broker-dealer firms to registered investment companies and hedge funds. While he was at Advisor Shares, Michael helped launch the very first actively managed fossil free fuel ETF way back in 2012. Michael, we are delighted to have you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, this conversation is the fourth in a series of discussions we're having about sustainable investing. And our goal is for our listeners and also us to come away with a deeper understanding about what's driving some advisors to embrace sustainable or ESG investing while others continue to stay away from it. Is this the future of investing or just a passing fad? We want to understand how advisors are addressing sustainable investing with their clients and also their clients' reactions to those conversations. We also want to learn whether or not clients are proactively asking about sustainability and what that looks like. But given the regulatory spotlight on this very important topic, I need to be clear that FlexShares does offer some ESG-focused ETFs, but not all of FlexShares products have an ESG focus. So we won't be talking about any specific ESG investments, FlexShares or otherwise, in these episodes. And we remain committed to ensuring that the Flexible Advisor podcast is a product agnostic forum meant to share best practices of how advisors can add value for their clients and to offer insights and ideas to help you grow your advisory business. And with all of that out of the way, again, thanks for joining us, Michael. Sure thing. 
Well, that was a that was a lot of disclosure there, Laura. And it, I know. It, it points <laughs> to the whole topic, though, doesn't it? And so, Michael, thanks for coming on. And you can't go a day without reading a survey that talks about investor interest in this topic. And it certainly has been growing. We obviously continue to hear and read about advisors that just aren't buying it, literally and figuratively. And I'm sure that for every one objection <laughs> Laura and I have heard, you've probably heard many more based yes. on your background. Yeah. And a lot of what I hear and read just seems to illuminate the lack of understanding. So the confusion over what ESG investing is versus what even, say, impact investing is. It almost seems like all the terms are used interchangeably and therefore have you have unrealistic expectations attached to them. Okay, your role is as an educator in education. So I'm wondering, in your opinion, how much a lack of true understanding about sustainable investing is driving these objections and actually how can we counter them? Well, you're definitely right. I know that on some previous uh, episodes, you've covered uh, some of the, uh, the data points we've seen, uh, surveys from uh, Gallup to Nuveen to Morgan Stanley. And over the years, what we have seen is that ultimately investors have interest, but adoption rates don't match the interest levels. And the delta seems to come from advisor knowledge or ability to implement and or the client relationship with that advisor and whatever conversations are or potentially or obviously are not happening as it relates to sustainable investing. And I think, and again, this is from not just my experience, but from conversations I have with the advisors themselves at, at these different kinds of firms, ranging from uh, small independent advisors with their own shingle to the largest national broker dealers to registered investment advisors that have long been in practice with a specific style. But what I like to think of it is, is that advisors come in the proverbial all kinds of shapes and sizes. So some liken themselves to being portfolio managers with the ability to pick investments and build portfolios. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some describe themselves as a concierge service to help clients with specific preferences and find exactly what they want. Some describe themselves as counselors that educate and guide and, and so forth. And they fall all over the spectrum. Uh, the one thing that I do find though with all these types of advisors is that most of them, to be clear, not all, but most uh, have this one thing in common, which is they don't love when conversations enter topics that they don't have expertise. So it doesn't matter how they describe themselves, but ultimately, do they have comfort level themselves uh, on a topic? And sustainable investing, or as you said, uh, the, the multi uh, descriptors could be impact yeah. investing, socially responsible investing, ESG investing is now get, getting commonly few, uh, uh, used. Uh, it has a long history. It's very nuanced. It's constantly evolving. And so for some, that may be intimidating, or it might just cause some advisors to think that they couldn't possibly catch up to offer expertise. So why get started? And in a nutshell, I would just say it just isn't true. Uh, all of our industry is is been the same way since I started in the 90s, and, and I'm sure the two of you have experienced it does feel like uh, there's always a new acronym. There's always a new technology to help service clients, uh, to create better investment outcomes, to create better reporting on the portfolios. And what we see in sustainable investing is exactly uh, the same. So I think if I could relay one message to uh, 
people, wherever they fall on this, whether it's uh, unwillingness to even try or those that are maybe too uh, concerned that they couldn't catch up, is that it's okay for advisors to share with their clients that it's a topic they're going to learn together. I mean, after all, they already trust the guidance of this advisor. So why not be uh, open and authentic about the fact that this is uh, a newer area for most people and it is uh, a, a journey that can be taken with client and advisor at the same time? Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it's a lot like when you go to the grocery store and you see 20 kinds of mustard, you kind of tend to go back to the other one. And advisors, <laughs> that's a very human re- reaction to too much choice. So yes. uh, as a follow-up to that, how is US, USF working to deliver that desperately needed education to advisors? I know at Flexures, we recently launched an ESG education hub and I'm very proud of that. And we've got some good materials out there. And then I looked at your education center at USF on, oh my gosh, do you ever sleep? I, uh, that's my second, that's uh, not, not a true question, but I, I think it would be immensely helpful if you could give our listeners an overview of what's available to them on the USF website. Yeah, sure. And, and let me start too, just as a, as a follow-up to, to, to uh, what I was saying earlier is that the only thing the advisor or the team has to commit to is to the idea of at least being open enough to trying to learn um, and or committing to help their client learn uh, whether or not you adopt any practices uh, will will have to just align with the way you already work. But I think people shouldn't be intimidated. So mm. uh, you're exactly right. Over the years, USF, and for those that are maybe not familiar with what USF is, uh, we have been a membership organization of financial services firms in the United States uh, that have collaborated since 1984 under the SIF acronym. And uh, at the moment, uh, we're somewhere in the five or six trillion dollar range of assets under management or advisement amongst our members. And that ranges from asset managers to foundations, to pension plans, to research and data and index providers, to financial advisors, community uh, development and investment institutions, and, and, and even some nonprofits. And so this, this commitment to the field uh, is now in uh, so, so many decades in that uh, we've had now multiple generations of, of people helping us put together uh, different types of materials to help educate. And so one of the first things that we did, and, and, in, and I'll put it as a starting point because I think it helps frame so many conversations with clients is uh, starting in the mid-90s, we started to uh, do a report on uh, trends and sustainable and impact investment. And um, it will be no surprise to you that um, in the mid-90s, the numbers weren't very big, and a lot of people didn't really know about it at all. Hmm. Um, and then today, you know, we find that uh, basically one in three dollars is invested with some sort of ESG incorporation. Now that one in three dollars is is what we would call professionally managed. So that doesn't just mean fund selections where it's um, an advisor saying, "Hey, these are funds in a in a model portfolio that we've put together or that a client has self selected." But I'm including uh, individual securities purchases by uh, things like the New York State Teachers Pension Plan, where they are implementing ESG incorporation into their process of, of security selection. So. So one in three dollars is is to me a pretty shocking number, and so when when we realize that those numbers are very big, and yet the uh, adoption rate 
by advisors is kind of low, that Delta basically screamed at us, you've got to build some things to teach people. So um, uh, going back now, almost 10 years ago, the original advisor training for sustainable investing uh, was launched at USF, and it was even before my time at the organization. And it's a three-hour and change, depends on the format that you take it, whether it's in person or virtual or even in a self-directed online course. But that fundamentals course covers everything and is really directed at financial advisors, although it's good for all financial professionals. We launched a program called the Chartered SRI Counselor, the CSRIC. We created in partnership with the College for Financial Planning, which is now a Kaplan company with some awesome technology during 2018. And then during the pandemic, where we saw a lot of people focused on multiple issues while we were all stuck at home, we decided to create, uh, although it took us some time, so it's not we decided that summer, but we decided to launch a free 30-minute course really directed towards an, uh, individual or retail investors. But uh, it's a great starting point for financial professionals that want a quick uh, self-directed crash course on what this all is. So, so for starters, we've got these courses, which are a great way to uh, build out uh, knowledge for anyone, whether they're experienced or have some knowledge or have zero knowledge. We have created roadmaps. Uh, they're free to download off the site. One in particular is specific to financial advisors, and it offers multi, uh, a multiple-step approach to learning, implementing, um, and even communicating, which, which I think is uh, hugely important uh, with clients, for clients. And then finally, we, we have a host of publications. So we do things like explain what the SDGs are in case a client asks about those to uh, a guide to adding sustainable investments to define contribution plans, uh, which, which may be an area that an advisor has no knowledge or previous knowledge of. And then lastly, because our membership is so varied, we share the research from our, our many member firms. So they're putting out really interesting uh, uh, work of their own and sharing with the public. And, and most of this stuff is available for free. So uh, cost shouldn't be an inhibitor to somebody that wants to learn more. So Laura, basically he said he doesn't sleep. I think that's what I heard. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> that 30% figure um, caught my attention. We um, recently uh, recorded with Kylie Miller, who had sustainability over at investment. And she talked about one in every $3 in there. Their system has, or one in every three advisors has at least one sustainable product uh, in their client portfolios. And then at FlexShares, we did a, a brief survey of high net worth investors. And you know, we found a huge disconnect, Michael, where you know, I, the, the vast majority of, of these high net worth investors had some interest or a lot of interest in sustainable investing, yet a very, very small percentage of their financial advisors ever brought up the subject, which is just huge opportunity costs for those advisors that aren't yes. bringing it up. So I was, I was looking at that roadmap for financial advisors, which I thought was really well done. Um, I found it there on the site, really easy to download. And in it, there was a comment, which I know to be true from my work with other industry organizations. And of course, uh, here at FlexShares, but it cited a survey that Federated Hermes did uh, in 2020 that identified the still huge lack of understanding 
uh, by advisors on this topic. And this lack of understanding, you mentioned it earlier, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a main reason why many advisors aren't talking about it with their clients. But to that end, I would love it if we could use the rest of our time today to walk through the ways that advisors can begin implementing sustainable investing in their practice or to provide ideas for those that have maybe tiptoed into it. How, how can they increase their use of it? I, I, I think just taught, you know, I think for many advisors, they get the case for it, but it's just the practical steps that they need to take. Yeah, let's do it. I think that is the most fun part of this. Uh, the the making the case for and against is, um, uh, I think, been done many, many times and done by smarter people than I. So so let's, yeah, let's jump into uh, action items. I love it. Awesome. So, well, let's just start with uh, incorporating ESG into client portfolios. How can advisors begin to use sustainable investing? Um, and, you know, what's the nomenclature that we all need to understand? And what what terms shouldn't we cross-reference? Um, let's start there. Yeah. So I think I think the uh, when it comes to nomenclature, this can be very confusing because there's no standardized way to talk about all of this. Even the acronym SRI changed in in during the course of my career, and it just depends on who you talk to. So it was socially responsible investing for. Uh, most of uh, my life. And then I guess around 10 years ago, I started hearing sustainable, responsible impact uh, was what the definition of SRI was. And it, it you know, it's very similar. What, what I will say is ultimately um, ES and G are data points. And I've heard on some previous episodes, uh, different ways that uh, people have described the use of that data but that data is available. It is not necessarily something that is uh, a financial line item, but it is or could be financially material. So understanding what the multiple uh, ESG criteria points might be in a portfolio is important, or at least to understand big picture, how to describe E, S, and G issues to a client. And so, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, there's plenty of tools that'll get you there, teach you what they mean. Um, some nice visual aids that you can share with clients. And then even um, in that uh, free course that we built for retail investors, that's a great link. You could just send it to a client and say, hey, look, it's important that you understand some of the basics too, because we need to drill down and figure out what's important to you and what we can actually put into a portfolio or consider when building a portfolio. So you know, what I'd say is uh, sort of step one would be you've got to create some sort of template for conversation with a client. Now, a lot of advisors that I have worked with either have um, onboarding toolkits where they're asking clients all kinds of questions about risk tolerance, trying to uncover areas of particular interest that may include what, you know, where do you give money from a philanthropic standpoint? Where do you give time, which is often a better indicator of, you know, what does somebody do with the time they have in the day or the week or the month uh, to help something, uh, uh, some kind of organization um, uh, in their community that they actually live in and spend time in. And, um, and then maybe put together, uh, you may add it to an existing onboard system, uh, a process, which may be an online system um, or just part of the annual review process. If it's a, a longstanding client that you've had that maybe doesn't need that many touch points, or you think maybe doesn't need that many touch points. And, um, and there's some great uh, 
resources that are available. We've got a questionnaire you can download off our website that highlights some, some of the uh, most commonly considered ESG issues. But the truth is there's thousands of data points now that you can get from different data providers as it relates to ESG. You couldn't possibly know them all off the top of your head, but you can create something that starts a conversation with a client. And so I think that'd be step one is uh, understand sort of what these big issues might be and some of the investment areas that can be uh, easily described, and then create some sort of template for the conversation with a client because you've got to have the starting point and every client is so different that um, you have to begin with the broad brushstroke. So I, I'd say that's how I would begin to use it is, is that uh, very basic conversation piece. And you know, so, so I love that you went there because we do, um, we do a lot of research about, we just did some other behavioral research outside of the lens of ESG, but really, you know, it's the emotions of clients that drive things, right? So at the crux of it, it's just taking the time to get to know your clients and understand what's important to them. And um, I, I love that you brought that up. And we've talked again and again about the case for ESG investing. But, you know, something that we really haven't explored is does it or how does it align with an advisor's fiduciary duty? Um, can you tell us what you think about that? Yes. So I love this piece of the conversation because I would argue that if you said to a client, without describing exactly what you're talking about, if you just said, hey, I found this new area that offers us a whole bunch of more insight into potential investments we might make. It's a lot of new data. It's a lot of new information to consider. But I'm thinking about ignoring all of it because it's just a lot. How do you feel about that? They would probably respond, it seems like you're shirking your fiduciary duty if that's <laughs> what you are deciding to do. And I would argue that we have all this uh, actually modern day uh, uh, proof case uh, proof cases and examples that we can we can point to where you know for example it, it is in no uh, annual report for BP but we all remember Deepwater Horizon and we know that um, within the governance side and and also the social uh, data point side there there weren't great protocols for employee safety. And there weren't great oversight mechanisms for uh, third-party contract uh, partners. And so um, funds that were considering those potential risks, but not finding them anywhere that would be an obvious uh, financial data point, were able to maybe rank BP lower. They weren't necessarily getting rid of all fossil fuels or oil companies, but they were saying, wow, this company has a lot of red flags. So relative score, we probably don't want to own them or certainly not own them in the same weighting as an index. And what we found uh, going back to spring of 2010 was uh, most of the funds that were incorporating ESG, and of course, there were a lot less back then, um, but had avoided BP entirely uh, thanks to some ESG data. And what I would say is that is, you know, of course, just one uh, specific example, but the bottom line is there has been tremendous growth in the amount of ESG data available. There's lots of new providers. In fact, there's been so much M&A activity, it's hard to keep up who owns which uh, uh, niche uh, ESG uh, uh, data areas. But, um, but all to say, 
when, when you think about fiduciary duty, ultimately, you know, you're looking out for your client's best interest and you're trying to make the best decisions available with all the information that is available to you. And ESG is a lot of new information that maybe was not of consideration before, easy to access, and it's there now. And so you can find um, there are certainly uh, reports and um, organizations that came out of like the, the United Nations Environmental Program Finance Initiative. That's a, another uh, mouthful acronym, but they created the Principles for Responsible Investment. And uh, coming out of uh, that, that organization growing and a lot of firms signing on, um, part of the process was to agree uh, that this additional information was an investment norm. They were financially material issues. Regulatory frameworks were going to be created in the future. And if you weren't paying attention to them, you were failing to consider long-term investment drivers uh, and, and I think most importantly, risks. And so, you know, it is not standardized by um, any organization in the United States yet, but you even see now organizations like the CFA Institute at least suggest that um, uh, it, it certainly at, at the least falls in line with fiduciary duty, if, if not being uh, an absolutely essential part of it. I've heard, unfortunately, a lot of um, advisors say, I don't want to bring this up because I don't know how my clients will react. There's some polarization, as we all know, going on. And unfortunately, this is falling in that realm. What would you say to those advisors who are just, not that they're not knowledgeable, but they don't necessarily want to bring it up because they don't know what the reaction will be? Yeah, I, I think in short, I would just say they're conflating a fear of politics mixing with investing. And that's not at all what sustainable investing is, right? ESG, as I said at the beginning, it's data. And you now have this additional data at your disposal to do a couple of things for you. One, potentially uncover some risk. Two, maybe find some opportunities. Uh, three, meet a client desire, because we know uh, based on all these surveys that we've talked about already, uh, people would like to do this. They maybe don't know exactly what they want to do. They want to talk to you about it. You're the advisor, uh, but they do want to dive into it. And uh, conflating the the fears of like oh, I hate to bring up politics. This is this is not political. This is additional data. And I would say uh, if you had asked me ten years ago, uh, I might have said something flippant like, "Well, if you're not going to talk about it, somebody else will, and you lose them." And I don't, I don't like that sort of fear-based motivator. I think the way I would say it is don't conflate what you think it is versus what it really is, because it, it, it can mean so many different things to different types of firms, right? Some can just say, look, we're using this additional data to help drive portfolio decisions, and we aren't actually focused on any particular outcome. It may just be a factor tilt ETF that uses some e e ESG scores to help guide weightings. Um, I would say that's that's a lighter approach. You can also find products that say we are avoiding the following areas because we're meeting client demand of people that don't want to have something like, let's say, guns or fossil fuels. And there's everything in between. And so, you know, the one thing that I would implore the advisors who are maybe worried about that is is they should try it with their favorite clients. I mean, you have clients that you trust that. Maybe were the ones that helped you build build your book originally. They've they have uh, probably for years referred you because they trust you. 
if you can't have a conversation with them about a, a, a new area of both investment technology and additional data to help make decisions, um, I, I'd be surprised if they didn't appreciate that you talked to them about it first. Now, you may together decide we're not doing this and that's okay. Um, but I think uh, you know if I, if I could just hammer home one point is that if that is your gut instinct that, hey, it is, it is mixing in an area where I feel uncomfortable because I'm maybe challenging a client or bringing up something that um, they might think doesn't appeal to their politics. Remember that uh, there are now tons of free ways to teach yourselves what it is and most importantly, what it is not. And I think once you get an idea of the potential benefits, it'd be hard to say that you wouldn't want to do this uh, new uh, step in your fiduciary uh, uh, role uh, which I think helps uh, long-term outcomes and, and deepens relationships because you're going to learn more about your client even if you choose to not go this route. All right. So, Michael, let's take this really back to the beginning for an advisor. What are the very first actions that they should take in establishing their business to support, say, a sustainable investment practice? Yeah. So, th this is great. So, I think... Um, First of all, you have to create the, the conversation framework. So how, how am I going to potentially bring this up with clients? And um, do I already have a system of, of asking clients questions about um, sort of uh, understanding who they are and getting to know them uh, better over time? Uh, maybe add some questions that could help uncover some uh, value alignments uh, if they haven't already vocalized them themselves. Uh, sometimes they're waiting for us, right? Um, yeah. And and then I think the the last bit of it is you have to assess where you stand at the moment. So let's say you're starting with nothing, and or you've got a client that's coming to you or a potential client. Let's let's take a prospect. They say, "Hey, I've heard you're a great financial advisor. I'd love to work with you. An area that I have interest in is sustainable investing. I don't like owning some of the things that have been um, you know uh, front and center in the news the last couple of years." whether it's weapons of war or uh, private prisons or wh whatever the issue might be that is really driving this, this uh, person to talk to you. And you can say, okay, well, let's assess the existing portfolio. And everyone's got different tools at their firm. And I don't want to assume who's listening to the podcast today. So let me start with a scenario where you have nothing. Your firm offers you no platform, no research sources. Um, how do you get started? So uh, a favorite tool of mine uh, comes from an organization called As You Sow. So As You Sow created uh, a series of uh, tools that you can use for free by just punching in ticker symbols, which is so great. So it's asyousow.org. Uh, you can find it there if you want the full URL. It's asyousow.org backslash invest hyphen your hyphen values. But what is really great is you could click on a particular area of interest. Let's say it is um, gun-free funds. You, you really care about that. There's actually a website, gunfreefunds.org. They all, they all come out of this one uh, as you so site. But what is great is you can put a symbol in of any mutual fund or the series of mutual funds and ETFs and or uh, funds, let's say, within a plan that, that uh, somebody might be bringing to you. And you can find out what the exposures are and how these funds score in different areas and have a discussion with that client and say, how do you feel about that? If you had to rank one more than another that you cared about, if we could, if we could eliminate some holdings or reconstruct this, 
And, and basically what, what you can do is figure out uh, what the key touch points are. And then yourself, you've got this tool that does the work for you uh, that helps you figure out exposures in the fund. Um, of course, there are tools like Morningstar uh, has a ever involving uh, globes rating and sustainable uh, rating system, which uh, I think is wonderful. And it, it, they keep enhancing it, which is really impressive. So if you have a Morningstar uh, direct uh, subscription or you have a Morningstar station at your firm, or you just have access to Morningstar in general, they are a great tool that similarly can give you some idea of what is in the fund, how long the managers have been managing it that way, if they incorporate any uh, particular components of ESG data points. Um, so that's another one. And then, you know, for those that do have some in-house capabilities, since you mentioned InvestNet, I happen to know that uh, we're just a few weeks away from them launching a really great platform for advisors that use them. And it's a wonderful tool set because you can not only build a portfolio, uh, but you can access, uh, uh, assess an existing portfolio by plugging in the positions and they can help you figure out if there's a particular style or value that you want to orient on ways to improve the portfolio adjustments you could make. Um, and of course, I don't want to just single out investment. I, I happen to know a lot of the big firms uh, um, are offering this and smaller firms um, are available to individual investors that, that have great uh, financial technology tools. So another one that I want to mention is uh, your stake and um, Y-O-U-R and then stake, S-T-A-K-E. Um, and they offer some financial technology for the do-it-yourselfer advisors who maybe don't have a platform that they use for all their clients, but want to integrate. Let's say they're a registered investment advisor. They want to integrate with what they're using at Schwab or TD Ameritrade or whatever their, their main um, client uh, portfolio trading platform is. So, so there are some incredible uh, platforms and uh, tools that range from being in-house to third-party to subscription-based to free that can help you at least level set where you're starting from and maybe uncover some ideas for clients that have questions. Wow, that is a really a huge batch of tools. So I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to shift a little bit. And what we're obviously reading about from the corporate level and from investors level, most people that invest sustainably want to measure the impact, whether that's us asset managers investing in corporations or retail clients investing in a portfolio, say, that's designed by their advisor. So what do advisors need to know about measuring impact and how cumbersome or not will that be for them? Yes. So this is a, uh, I think, a, an area that is growing quickly. There are more and more tools coming, but I, I think I should start by saying uh, this is an area where it, it will depend on where in the spectrum you fall in terms of implementation. So, you know, I know some advisors that are new to this in the last couple of years. And step one was basically just creating additional due diligence uh, for themselves saying, okay, I'm going to consider some funds that either describe themselves as sustainable or ESG or whatever nomenclature the fund shop has used or ETF shop has used. And, uh, and I use them interchangeably, by the way, I say fund and ETF, but I mean the same thing, manage products. Um, and uh, you know, ultimately what, what you're hoping to do as an advisor is say, I can now assess these products that maybe I didn't have much familiarity with before by putting them through my normal due diligence process. But now I've got a couple of extra items that I want to consider. How do they stack up versus peers? 
And so I know some advisory groups that said, okay, we're dipping our toes in. This is not an area of internal expertise, but we're starting to learn. We have clients with interest. And so they just plugged some of the funds that were coming um, to their attention, either via a client or a product partner, and finding that in some cases, it might have just been the best performing fund in a category that they were using in their asset allocation process. Great. Hmm. It's a winner. Um, uh, in other cases, it was, hey, we want to offer a, a fossil fuel-free alternative to the clients that have that as their number one priority. So we need to find, uh, if it, where possible, and there are many options now, um, uh, a sort of a 1B to the 1A that we have been using and offer it to clients as an option. Um, but in those cases, those firms aren't necessarily making the full leap and also saying, hey, we also want to create an impact report for our clients. They may not be that far down the line yet. Um, but if you are an advisor where you're saying, hey, wow, I already do this. There's a proliferation of products. There's great funds and ETFs available. There's new tools online that I can use every day. And the next step for me to really stand out with clients is to pull together something that really aids my client conversations, uh, whether that's for you know regular meetings with the client or presentations to groups of prospective clients is, um, you know, how can I describe the, the outcomes that we're getting beyond the investment outcomes? And what is great, in my estimation, is that not only are you finding impact reporting tools coming from the different platforms that you might use, but many of the asset managers are coming out with really great impact reports. So you can share, um, I won't name any specific uh, products, but there are firms that are now putting out uh, uh, pieces that you can supplement your client review session with to say, okay, so here's the fund, here's how it did. In addition to the financial reporting we've got, we also have a impact report for the year uh, from that asset manager, and they can highlight uh, some of the areas where they uh, themselves are measuring both quantitatively and or uh, drilling down to something really specific like exposures to an area that maybe if it's a, well, I don't want to use names, but let's say a faith-based firm and they want to make sure that they are uh, directly pointing out that they didn't have exposure to a, a particular area, um, then that's possible. Uh, it is possible to do it because the, the providers are also putting these together. Uh, the last thing I want to share with that though is a lot of it comes from client expectation, right? So it might be that step one is, hey, we want to do this. Um, later in the process, it might be we want to keep measuring what sort of impact we've got, uh, what capabilities our product partners have. And over time, hopefully these are getting better and we want to figure out how does it even fit our normal client meeting. So I do know advisors that they like to have uh, an, an internal impact measurement framework. I would say they're on the real advanced end of people who have been doing this or have, let's say they're a team of, uh, team of advisors and one of them is the real specialist for this space. They're putting together um, some sort of uh, uh, impact measurement report that they can either use uh, ported out from people who have already created these things. So there's a, uh, um, in, in, in the private markets, there's something called the impact management project. And you can actually uh, basically report five dimensions of, of impact. And you may not have answers for all of them uh, as you go along, but what I think is great about it is that 
as an advisor, no matter where you are in the journey of starting to use this, already using it, you're an expert in using it, there are a range of tools that are either you can put in the work yourself to really build out something robust, or you can use the incredible pieces that are being created by your product partners already to help describe impact for clients, which I think enhances the client conversations. You're not just talking about how do we do this year? How do we do this quarter? So that's really helpful. Wow, Michael, this time has really flown. It's fascinating. And in terms of building some forward momentum, what one item would you give advisors to begin building their sustainable investing practice? So I think I'll be very biased and I will say uh, download, <laughs> download the financial advisor roadmap that uh, we first built in 2018 and we updated at the tail end of 2021. So make sure to pull that down because um, it'll give you a bunch of different areas to consider. And if you do it in the PDF format, the hyperlinks are live. So it'll take you to a bunch of third-party resources and reports and I think uh, is a very good starting point. And then the second thing is, if you have clients that have indicated to you some interest and you've maybe um, uh, you know, been able to kick the can down the road or maybe shift the conversation, say, let's get back to it the next time we're together, uh, use the free course that we have on our site for individual investors. Say, if this is an area that you think you have interest in, let's get you educated. Let's see what, what areas really uh, jump out to you. And if, if you're willing to um, take a 30-minute course, the, the course is great. If you email your client the link, it'll work on a smartphone. It'll work on a tablet. You don't have to sit in front of a computer. There's some interactive pieces to it. And it's pretty short. If you're a slow reader like me, you can still knock it out in 30 minutes. <laughs> well, Michael, you have offered us such great information. You, it's so informative, and it's been a real delight to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. If you're an advisor and would like to know more about USCIF, you should visit www.uscif.org. That's U-S-S-I-F.org. This information will also be available in the show notes. If you like this podcast, you may also like the other Flex Shows podcast called Funds in Focus. Check it out today and you'll find it wherever you get your podcasts. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. 
We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters. Please remember that all investments carry some level of risk, including the potential loss of principal invested. They do not typically grow at an even rate of return and may experience negative growth. As with any type of portfolio structuring, attempting to reduce risk and increase return could, at certain times, intentionally reduce returns. An ESG investment methodology that includes and excludes issuers and assigns weights to issuers by applying non-financial factors such as ESG factors, such ESG investment methodology may underperform the broader equity market or other investment products that do or do not use ESG investment criteria. An ESG investment methodology will influence exposure to certain companies and sectors. Currently, there is a lack of common industry standards relating to the development and application of ESG criteria, which may make it difficult to compare an ESG investment methodology with an investment strategy of another investment product or funds that integrate certain ESG criteria. The subjective value that investors may assign to certain types of ESG characteristics may differ substantially from that of an ESG investment methodology or a data provider. Not all FlexShares ETFs have an ESG focus. For more information on which FlexShares ETFs have an ESG focus, please visit FlexShares.com.